<laughs> Hello. All right. Welcome back, Underground. We are wrapping up this series that we have been in for a lot of episodes. Uh, but it's time to kind of bring this idea to a close. And then I think we're going to shift on to some stories of underground people. So we'll talk about that more later. But when we say wrap this series, many months ago, somewhere in the middle of the beginning of the pandemic, we said, hey, let's record a podcast. And the first idea we had was let's talk about the shifts that we need to make to sustain disciple-making movements? What are the thought processes that we need to have? Processes? Processes? Yes. Process I? Absolutely. Process I. Anyway, um, so we are uh, wrapping up this series because, well, Corey got bored with it, honestly, which is the story of his life. I just, I kind of have nothing else new to say. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk today about uh, in this last kind of shift, what does it mean to just be ordinary people that are sent out on mission, pulling this away from just keeping it in um, in the world of the professional, I assume is the thought process here, right, Corey? Yes. You're you, right. You want to talk more about already, that? Yeah, I mean, I already told you I, I have nothing else new to say. <laughs> yeah, what is, what is just so, well, you just turned that volume way up in my ear. <laughs> That is that's all right. Woo! Um, is that is that what my voice sounds like? Oh, that's, I don't know how you people listen to this. When when we look at movement and movements of God globally and throughout history, it is amazing to see that it is not the highly trained professional leaders that help spark. Um, either spark movement as a whole, but also just the the ground up kind of you know viral type of growth. It is the ordinary. It's the person maybe the who hasn't been trained in the same way. Then maybe they're not even the people that have the the seemingly like big like presence type of giftings. And it's it's or, the word ordinary is what is I think I, for the lack of better word maybe it's the word that we just describe to. Uh, disciple makers. And so as we look globally around the world right now, even it's like, we, we don't want to professionalize, right? We don't want to complicate. Uh, we want to release ordinary people to make disciples who make disciples. So one of the major, la- in the last paradigm that we're really going to talk about, uh, before we really start to highlight some stories, uh, both locally and around the world is this idea that we want to release the willing and the ordinary Um, and not just the highly trained and the professional. So guiding that really is, uh, is Acts chapter four. And this is, this is the the first scripture that comes to mind that I think really highlights the point. And and honestly, there's tons throughout scripture and we'll talk about some of that, but we got, we got Peter and John early in the book of Acts, right? And they, they, they healed, um, they healed a person and they're before the Sanhedrin, right? Like the, the, the Jewish kind of local Supreme Court here, right? Like yeah, they're, they're the ruling council. That's right. And they are there and they're talking and, uh, man, they were just basically like, dude, if we're here and we're in trouble because someone's healed, you know, like, all right, okay, that's, that's, that's weird. And then they said, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by much, by which we must be saved. Verse 13, when they, 
the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Lord, may it be so that people look at us and use that phrase. Seriously. Like, isn't it interesting that by looking at them and saying that they're ordinary, their conclusion was, ah, they, they must have been with this guy, right? Like that, it's the, the answer to the question or, or the observation of them being ordinary is that they had walked with Jesus. Like, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for us, Brian, on an everyday person level to like, is, is it actually proof that our ordinary means that we've encountered Jesus? Like, I mean, what do you think? What do you think that means? Well, I was just thinking earlier when you were talking about we can't keep this with just the professionals. And I think what we mean by that most of the time is people that have been to seminary, people that have religion degrees, people that have worked for the church, people that ultimately it comes down to people that get paid. Right? Yeah. So uh, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about how people often ask us when we're talking to leaders in other cities and they want to know, hey, Tell me about the underground. What's that look like? One of the questions that often comes around is, so when when I look at your structure and you've got this kind of decentralized movement on, you know, we've got this image. We can put this on the podcast page too that you can click into and see this image that helps people understand that there's a an organized structure that supports a decentralized movement. Um, and on the decentralized side, people often ask about like, who are the people that lead these micro churches? Are they, do they work for the organization? Is it, you know, uh, are these pastors of these little churches? How big are they? And, and because people are stuck in a mindset of just what we have been handed as far as what the church does and should look like, it's, it's very difficult for people to get out of their out of that framework to think, no, these are, you know, um, I'm just thinking of like the people that are in the underground right now, yeah. people that lead micro churches. It's like, they're well, so ordinary. So my mom's like, a retired school teacher and my dad works yeah. for brothers in blue, which is a, a, a reentry program in our state mm-hmm. prison. Um, there's a guy that runs social security in uh, in this region. Um, and his wife works at the local high school. Um, we've got what insurance broker? Uh, what else? I mean, yeah, what we're are, just like thinking through. Like, yeah, who are the anyone and everyone? I mean, yeah, the, quote unquote ordinary. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I'm just I do life. Yeah, and I've decided to invest in my neighborhood. Stay at home moms, um, roofers. Um, what else? Yeah. I mean, they're ordinary. Yeah. It's just, and people I working to, in insurance, people in sales, people, yeah, I mean, like. I don't want to make the ordinary sound demeaning. What's that? Food equipment repair. That was our producer. Yeah. <laughs> Food equipment repair. Huh? That, was just, that was just really. Which one is specific. that? Specific. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> See, I don't even know all the people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know the Andersons. I'm not. I haven't thought through everybody's <laughs> job because they're just people that do ordinary things. Right. But to go back to that, it's like I don't want it to come across as if it's like demeaning in any way. It's right. like that's the beauty of it right. is there's no extra training. I've just committed my life to this. This mm-hmm. is the way that I live. This is what I do. 
Yeah. Uh, by no means does ordinary mean. Um, I don't know that I answered your question. Weak. No, you totally didn't. But you you took up about four minutes of a podcast, which is good, right? <laughs> no, that was unintentional. I just wanted to say that it's like we don't have people that are paid and do this. They they're ordinary people. So go back to your question. What was your question? No, I'm saying. Like, what, so what is that? Uh, as far as it like proving that they've been with Jesus. You know, like that, because that's the conclusion of the Pharisees here is like, like, and they're talking literally, they've been with the person of Jesus. So they're speaking, uh, the, the disciples, right? They're speaking out of authority. They're speaking uh, as if, as if they have encountered Jesus in a way that is real. And so in such a powerful way, like, okay, man, th- these aren't the most trained, you know, Jews. They, they haven't, you know, been the, I, I really, really need to become a better first century historian and, and even understanding the. I think you know more a little bit more about that, don't you, Brian? As far as just like training of Jews and the rabbi and all that stuff, and it's like basically the idea is like they're they ha- they're not the upper echelon. They're not the ones being recruited by the uh, you know the A list rabbis here. They're ordinary people. Yeah, and we we've talked about this before. I think it we can't overstate their quote unquote ordinariness um, because we miss something with our language with that word. Right. Um, as these. Uh, kids were being raised up in a Jewish culture. The idea that they're unschooled means that they weren't trained into the in the law to the extent that these scribes and Pharisees were. Like at some point, they weren't the best and the brightest uh, that were called to the next level of being trained in the temple in some way. They were uh, they did normal jobs. You know, it's like at some point yeah. they finished their elementary schooling Mm -hmm. and they went to the family trade they became fishermen Mm -hmm. they became tax collectors they they did other jobs and so yeah we have to be careful it's like their occupation their role is ordinary Mm -hmm. Uh, so we can't exaggerate that but I, i i see what you're asking now is like how does that translate that when they saw them they were astonished and they knew that they had been with Jesus and my like shooting from the hip answer, not having thought through this is like, um, I, I think the passage says they saw their courage. They saw the courage of Peter and John yeah. and realized like in some way they were standing before these men speaking as if they had a greater level of authority yeah. about them, mm-hmm. even though they were untrained and ordinary like it doesn't mean that's the other thing it doesn't mean they were illiterate it doesn't mean they were stupid right oh yeah it just means that they didn't have that level of like the way that they were speaking clearly demonstrated that they had some level of authority on them that they didn't like get because they'd been through 15 years of school or had this level of arguing in a court system or could speak of the law, but like they had spoke so confidently and they knew it's like, and I think in another place that, you know, that they basically tell them, they come back and they tell them, you have to stop speaking about Jesus. You have to stop doing these miracles and these healings. And, you know, Peter's response is like, man, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Like you, you will will not stop us from (laughs) doing this. And it's like, you know, ordinary people in this circumstance normally would have backed down. You know, you've got the people that can kick you out of the community standing over you, the people that can ostracize you and make your life very difficult. Ordinary people would just back down. Mm-hmm. But these ordinary people had been with Jesus right? and were saying, Mm-mm, 
nothing's going to stop us from doing this. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it validates. It validates the the power of Jesus by the ordinary reality of, of who we are. And so, like, if, if, if you are trying to reach people in your workplace, maybe that's your place of mission. You identified that as where God has sent you. One of the biggest lies that will stop us from living on mission and making disciples is that we believe that we are not equipped enough to do it. And the lie I think comes one, maybe from the enemy, one from our own, I don't know, just fears. But one of the, one of the, the places where all of that drive is that we think we don't know enough. Like, cause the, the, the example of a disciple maker or an evangelist or a leader is what we've seen on stage. And guys, I'm, I had a, a, an hour and a half meeting this morning right before I got here, making myself 20 minutes late and um, Brian chastising me because of it. I didn't chastise you. I just I held it out there loosely for you to recognize. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, so anyway, so Brian chastised me for <laughs> for being late here. It's, and I'm, I'm, but I'm sitting here with this person and um, we're trying to, he's trying to reproduce this Discovery Bible study. And, and the group that he was in, it's, it was the person who was kind of facilitating it did a lot of what we teach people not to do, did a lot of teaching, right? So unpacking a lot of stuff and, and it's okay. I get it. We, there's no discovery Bible study. That's perfect. But that's one of the the things that makes it really difficult is when, you know, you take that one person who suddenly now they're the one who has all the answers to reproduce. That is really hard. And so this guy is, is he's, we're sitting there and he's got some fear and, and I'm just looking at him and I'm like, dude, you know Jesus. Mm. You are following Jesus. You are as equipped as anyone to make disciples. So, hey, and so I do a little coaching of, hey, just ask the questions. You don't need to have all the answers. And it just create an environment where people experience Jesus. But that's the the point that I'm making is that the example of disciple making was an example of a certain either set of gifting or a level of teaching or a level of whatever what we deem varsity to be able to hit that and then we're able. Well, that's that is simply untrue. And the very fact that we're quote unquote ordinary, that I haven't been through all of that, that I haven't, you know, been specifically taught or trained in this way, but I have that authority and I can hear Jesus. Like that actually, my point is it, it makes it even more real. It makes it even more tangible for the people that they're reaching. It's like, oh, this is real for you. Like this ain't just something you're talking, this ain't just some religious thing. This isn't your job, right? This is your life. You're like, this is, this is, you're, you're all in. That validates the message and actually makes you even more effective in the place that God has called you. Yeah. Again, as you're talking, um, um, I wasn't listening. I was thinking about something else. (laughs) Sorry. I was, uh, I think the reason for this shift is because we have such a big vision for what we want to see. And not just because we have something special and, you know, oh, we have this big vision, so we have to think differently. It's like, I think we have this vision because it's happened in, we've seen it happen in history. Like, we've read the books. And and it's not just historical. We've we've interviewed people who say this is happening around the world. Um, Like, I'm thinking about what happened in India and and that story with with Joe. Yeah. 
and uh you know like um like the very first podcast with joe reed talking about what what he saw in in south South africa Africa, and his desire to see that happen in boston Mm -hmm. and like so, so it's not just we've read them in books and we've heard these stories about how we've seen viral growth and it's not just uh, it, like it, it's happening around the world and we know the only way to get to see that because we long for it because we, when we hear about these movements historically and globally, there's something in us that's resonating with it. We go, we want to see that in our time, in our day. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to send quote unquote ordinary people Yeah, and to have the mind shift to say there is no way to see a city like Kansas City. 2.5 million people saturated with the gospel if we have to train 30,000 leaders mm. at a whatever level yeah. so that they're allowed to lead, you know, the sheep as yeah. you know as it were or whatever is so there's we want to be in a place where we say man you know the, the, I think this also goes back to just a theological belief mm. You can kind of poke at this a little bit of Colossians 1, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. Is this enough? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't listening to it. <laughs> I look up and the, the eye contact. No, you're, you're right on, man. Like the, the, the big picture, I, I'm just thinking of leadership of, you know, traditional Christian leaders, church leaders, and who doesn't like the idea of gospel saturation, right? Who doesn't like the idea of churches filling the city with the good news of Jesus? We just have no idea how to get from where we are to to that because our idea of church leadership is so heavy and so knowledge based and such an education, hmm. you know, focus. Like so, it, it's not necessarily just the 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 theory of it. That's that's partly why I love the methodology of Jesus is that he modeled for us the simplicity. He got. He got the ones that didn't make any sense to be on his team, you know, and they talk about the highest level of leadership as far as being with Jesus are the guys who absolutely didn't check any of those, those boxes of upper level. Right. So the very fact that Jesus modeled simple, uh, ordinary, sold out people as the, as the, the picture of what leadership is that actually, I I think it for us, it's just a constant reminder. Maybe it's because he just knows that we're always going to be bent towards looking at the, the the charismatic big personality leaders and just constantly it's like no I did it the opposite way like that was it's like constantly throughout scripture you know like I mean David was a shepherd right Moses was a was I mean he was adopted by you know the the uh, yeah the Pharaoh Pharaoh oh, about I'm trying to say Pharisee no um, <laughs> by the Pharaoh but man he's just like a simple Jewish person. Right. Like, I mean, just go down the line of all this, the simple, it's like really not, I don't know. Paul's one of the only ones that seemed like he was, yeah, he really had a a pretty stellar resume, but his entire thing is that's worth nothing. I consider all those things rubbish and you know, like he had the, the the person that had all the, the, the boxes checked is the one who says, I have to surrender all of that because that actually isn't what makes it worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like constantly and we're seeing things like, well, and he's also following so closely in line with Jesus, Philippians 2, right? Yeah. He who is God did not consider equality with yeah. God something to be grasped. Yeah. He laid down uh, authority. And I mean, the one that created yeah. everything chose to lay all that down to be, quote unquote, ordinary 
and ordinary for 30 years yeah. with, with no one knowing him. Yeah. I love that. That's really like I was, was at the last podcast or two podcasts ago with Rob. Uh, I did listen to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. This morning when I was driving. I heard you sing an alpha away and I was like, I'm pretty sure yeah. he just listened to that podcast. <laughs> it's true. Hey, and just to be honest, it's not always the same, you know, when we record it, we release it in that order. So like, okay, they were re- just saying we re- may have recorded a podcast before the others were released how could i listen to them <laughs> all right but all right so let's keep going with this theme of god seems to choose the uh quote-unquote insignificant or ordinary um to do the work i mean i'm just first uh, corinthians one right is one of my very favorite passages that talk about this and he's talking about wise like wisdom versus foolishness brothers think of uh, what you were when you were called not many of you were wise by human standards Not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That to me proves the point of what we're saying in the Acts 4 is that he, all the, the all the things that maybe the world would point to as strength, God seems to flip it on his head, and he actually uses that as validation for it's actually God. You know, it's it's actually it's it's real, it's significant. It's not our strength and our power; it's God's strength and God's power. And so, the ordinary does not mean weak in the sense of ineffective. It does not mean um, stupid. It does not all those things. It just means it's sacred in the small places then the the everyday places mm-hmm. not small but like it's, it's the everyday place is sacred the everyday work that you're doing is a sacred mission space right and and that that to me that fires me up mm-hmm. you know so you have a reason to be in that community you are the best disciple maker and missions presence in that community and your training is enough because you, the holy spirit dwells inside you yeah i use this phrase the mundane is magnificent in the kingdom and it, to me, it's just one of those important reminders that we have to live every day in the mundane and celebrate every yeah. piece of it. You know, when I, um, because that's what matters. Like I, when we when we talk about how Jesus lived thirty years in Nazareth and is unknown in that place, it wasn't like he was doing nothing. I mean, he was being prepared, and that's so important. Mm. It's so important to stress that every part of his childhood was getting him ready for that next thing. And it's and it's also, you know, I also don't want to put all that on him. Like, well, that was just 30 years to get ready for the three, so look for your three when they, you know, it's like, no, yeah. those were just as important, you mm-hmm. know, just to, to live every day. Mm for his character to be shaped and to be developed. And uh, I I think it's so important for us to frame our, our, our disciple making around that. Yeah. Uh, To, to get back into the, the walk to school with my kids talking to my neighbors matters. Yeah. That's a part of what they hear you know, like what, what are my parents talking about with the neighbors? What's important to them? What is shaping me? Mm. Uh, because all of those little things add up to who we are 
And if we don't look at every one of those moments as a divine moment to be shaped in the ways of the kingdom, to be with Jesus, like Jesus, doing what Jesus did, like all of that is who we are. And so uh, that's why I love talking about the ordinary things. If we if we only grow when we attend massive conferences, if we are only discipled in an hour in a building on a weekend by somebody that has been trained, like we're never going to get very far. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just having this conversation recently with my neighbors. Uh, we've been doing this kind of every other week rhythm of studying scripture. And, you know, they said, uh, basically, this isn't enough. Like we need to go to every week mm-hmm. because there's two weeks in between when we see each other and when we talk about these things. And it was like there's a, what we together ended up working out was yes and no. Yeah. Uh, yes, from the standpoint of like you're right. I mean, like two weeks in between is all right. Well, let's let's talk about how to be more creative about going deeper in scripture and other places, yeah. hearing more of the story. What's shaping us because two weeks in between there it's like we've got this one I will statement that we're holding up and going after you know which is good but how how does that become more consistent totally. more rhythmic but then no we don't need another week in between or another thing because the other side of it is well you know right now we're in the season of advent like that's when this is being recorded and mm-hmm. every night we're doing bible they're doing bible studies with their kids we're doing it with ours as we get around the christmas story mm-hmm. it's like Amen. that's a daily thing that matters yeah um, it's just an ordinary thing. We light a candle, we read a little thing, we ask a couple of questions. That shapes who we are. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. That was a bit of rambling, but just to get around, like when we talk about ordinary people in ordinary contexts, so much of life is actually ordinary. Right. Yeah. And we have to elevate it. No, it's so good. Um, you got. I, I have. I have stories. Yeah. Tell stories. Like this one's more of a personal story of the the reality of leadership and effectiveness in ministry. And so, I, by the way, I just never wanted to go to seminary as a leader. I went three different times. <laughs> just couldn't seem to finish. Right. The reason why I didn't want to go is because of this conversation. I was always really passionate. I was like, all these people I know who went to seminary, a bunch of people who go to school, and they've never like tangibly done anything in their life. They like to learn. I mean, honestly, like I'm not even being... Yeah, can Critical. we hit, can I have pause on your story? Because we could we could come back around and hit this later. But there's part of it that's like I'm not actually opposed to seminary. I love. Oh to yeah, learn. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't want this to come across like most of our podcasts is like well, we're not actually against seminary or going to a higher education and doing all those things. Those are great. We actually do need to get around a lot of those ideas to know like. Hey, it turns out when it says unschooled ordinary men, it actually means this. Like we need people to know those things. Absolutely. It's the it's the elevation of that as as yeah, that's put, how you make ministry leaders and putting stuff it like as that. king rather than what serves. What Absolutely. And everything that we talked about as far as um, you know, just content based disciple making versus transformation, obedience based stuff. Like all of this kind of is elevated in the stream. You know, and so to my point of what I was I was saying before, I was <laughs> rudely interrupted was that like I asked <laughs> my, my desire was never to to go not not because I thought it was bad because I didn't want people to think that the only way you could be an effective leader was that I went to seminary and I'm 23 years old and I'm passionate about this and because I all the people I'm seeing in my context who are going to seminary weren't actually engaged in everyday 
ordinary ministry. Um, so anyway, I ended up doing a lot of missions school stuff through Fuller that was like reading a lot of the stuff that we talk about, a lot, you know, nowadays, uh, Alan Hirsch and all those books, right? And it was good for me. But I ended up out of just straight up obedience, finishing my degree at a local seminary that um, it was pretty uh, traditional in the way that we think of seminary. And uh, it was fine, you know, whatever. But most of the reason why I got a seminary degree was to be able to tell people you don't need a seminary degree to go <laughs> make disciples. But it gets me at the table of anywhere with any Christian leaders. I'm like, yeah, I did totally. I got that degree too. Uh, let me tell you why that's uh, not that didn't validate me uh, as a disciple maker. But that's not the story I want to tell. That's just the background. One day I was in uh, a class and it was just this awesome guy, probably 26, 27 years old, just a great, great dude and had been in higher forms of Christian education his entire life. I mean, smart guy, went to college, Christian college, went and got a seminary degree, and then he's getting like his doctorate and something else all in seminary. And so I'm the weird missionary guy in the class, and I go off on some, you know, you can imagine, dude, me in that setting, I was getting, I'd always poke the bear of like, I wrote a whole paper on like, content's not the reason we got to be about obedience so that they loved it the guy loved it but then my friend who knows me goes you can only write that paper like once yeah you got at some point you actually gotta that's not true every paper in high school and college nearly i wrote was about how uh you can see uh the biblical narrative within uh the chronicles of narnia <laughs> i just kept recycling that it is, it's brilliant oh yeah so yeah, we so many stories just popped in my head, but Sorry, um, so I'm talking with this this person, and I'm going off in class, and I say something like, you know, it's not like ministry looks anything like the classroom. Mm-hmm. I just throw that con- that con- uh, that that uh, just phrase out there, and I keep going. And this guy, just sweetest, nicest guy in the world, comes to me afterwards, and he's like, you know, you said that, and I stopped and thought, what does he mean? Mm-hmm. How is it not the same? And I just remember thinking in my head, oh, pumpkin. <laughs> pumpkin. You got you got so much so much to learn. I mean, like it is it was such a cocky, arrogant stance in my point, but I'm just like oh. For a twenty three year old. No, and this was not that far. That was not no, this was recent. This was like five years ago. <laughs> it uh so yeah, I'm definitely in my thirties at that point, way more seasoned. But it was just it it blew my mind and I've told that story so many times because like this guy, he's he's been in upper Christian, you know, like leadership training and seminary for years. And it never crossed his mind that everyday ministry is not the same as learning concepts in class. And like, and the dude was really smart, but I don't know, like that, even in on the level of actual, like the people in the classes, we don't know this. We just kind of assume we'll take the information and be able to just mm. uh, disseminate it to the people that we're hanging with, and then life change will happen. <laughs> well, it may be true that ministry for him has only happened in a building in a room. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it is absolutely. Sunday morning, yeah. whatever it is, you know, rather than, you know, my neighbor just went through this, my coworker just experienced this. Right. Um, you know, whatever the experience is, it's like the actually sitting with real people and walking through real life hasn't happened outside of that context. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, as we look at the, the mighty moves of God, we are constantly pushing people out, ordinary people into ordinary spaces. So the reason why we, 
we teach on disciple making movement uh, methodology is because well, what happens in those ordinary places? Mm. If our expectation is that you're not preaching, you know, sermons that you learned how to exegete everything perfectly out of blah 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 blah, then what are we doing? Well, okay, we're starting we're starting with square one. And we're saying, what's Jesus saying? How can we get people to the feet of Jesus? We're going to focus on obedience, not knowledge, because that's reproducible. We're going to focus on facilitation, not preaching, because that's reproducible. Does that mean all those other things are bad? Content is bad? Preaching is bad? No. But if if we're going to mobilize ordinary people and send out, then we can't expect a handful of the gifts to be the primary center of disciple making. Like we're going to, we're going to put all of our eggs in the Holy spirit basket of him showing up and we're creating, um, everyday opportunities to disciple people. So like our methodologies follow the greater understand. The reason why this conversation is so important is because it really does in many ways inform, right? The, the strategies is if we're going to go ordinary people sending out gospel saturation, disciples, making disciples, making disciples, you can't, it can't be too heavy. Mm-mm. can't reproduce heavy things. It's got to be light. And light, it just like the word ordinary, light does not mean like JV, right? Right. Light does, does not mean less. It just means essential. Like boil it down to the essential, yeah. the, the, the foundation. Well, and it com- then, it's, then it's really, oh man, it's rich and it's beautiful at that point. It comes back to what we talked about over the last few weeks with the gospel conversation. Like what's the fractal, you know? The fractal and disciple-making movements, one of the fractals, rather, is ordinary people. That's right. It's not the the trained people. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back to that story, the Pharisees probably weren't doing a good job reproducing themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they were probably good at adding a few every year, mm-hmm. uh, but really, like, taking over that culture. You know, I mean, they were the ones trying to set the, the the holiness line at a certain place like ultimately that's not super attractive anyway you know what I mean like <laughs> right. I mean unless you convince people which they were trying to do that they would be first in line around the throne one day but um but even still it's like there's no uh I don't know how to put that into words uh it, that is heavy though and it's not reproducible but yeah. these ordinary men and women that had been with Jesus took over the Roman Empire because they went house to house, not door to door, uh, but household to household. So uh, these groups of 20 to 70 people, and they offered this story about how Jesus changed their life and how the gospel changes everything, how the kingdom is coming. And it spread like wildfire. Mm -hmm. And you got the potters and the masons and the carpenters you got all of these people in their ordinary lives turning this this empire upside down and changing it from the inside out and you got historians writing about how these ordinary people were taking in these children and babies that were discarded mm. and how they took care of the sick during pandemics and you got these ordinary people doing these things that historians are writing about saying like these people that follow Jesus are different. Yeah. And then in 313 when Constantine says Christianity is the religion of the empire, he's just going 
well, there's too many of them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's not declaring it so that everyone must become a Christian. He's mm-hmm. saying, no, there's just enough of them that it's it just is what it is. Yep. Uh, and so I think, you know, I just love this conversation. Let it be ordinary. Let yep. the gospel of the kingdom invade the everyday stuff of life. I got one more thing. Do it. Kind of the last story, kind of a um, case study, and uh, and and a caution here is like we're not saying leadership, we're not anti leadership or even anti high level leadership. It's just like movements are based upon reproducing leaders. It's just like what kind of leaders are we reproducing, and where is our starting point, and what does that look like? And and so uh, I'm just going to because share the hope is the network that I'm part of the most i'm going to brag on share the hope for a second even though we're a mess and are always you know screwing things up and i i want to i want to look at quote-unquote ordinary leadership so uh i'm going to highlight two guys and and partly because i want these guys on a podcast sometime soon uh a friend of mine named chris and a friend of mine named james and both of these guys uh one came came out of the hood and he'll tell you his story uh and, you know, was living the thug life for many, many, many years is how he describes it. And uh, had an encounter with Jesus after coming to share the hope and uh, has emerged over the, the years as a leader. But you know what it started? It started with him hearing obeying Jesus. It started with him having an encounter with Jesus. It started with him like slowly uh, laying uh, laying down the things that he was doing, like from you know smoking pot to these various other things that he was felt like God was. And it's just this discipleship was a daily obedience. And he started facilitating in our meetings. He started leading Discovery Bible studies on the outside, right? And so now uh, James has been following Jesus for three years. He's launching a new Share the Hope. And last summer, you know what we did? I went through a leadership thing that we went with a bunch of Share the Hope guys, and he was in it, and we dove into how to read the scriptures. We dove into some theological training. We dove into, you know, uh, a handful of these principles where we didn't necessarily start with that. We don't think it's it's bad, but at some point when it was ready, you know, like diving into deeper content, and that's okay. That's good, but the process was was significant, right? My friend Chris... Right, he didn't have quite the same background as James, but he got into some drug addiction and some bad choices, ended up going to jail where he encountered Jesus, came out, right? So he's beginning his life with Jesus, is connected with the share of the hope. Same thing, he's uh, over the next two years, he's he's discipled, he's released out in ministry, by the way, in this time, but it's like, you know, discovery Bible studies, things like that. And now he, you know, last year launched a new share of the hope and is the primary leader for this. And and is becoming this incredible uh, leader who's who knows a lot, right? Like it's not that these guys are are dumb; they know a lot. But we're starting with square one, and that none of these guys are quote unquote pastors or quote unquote seminary trained, but they are the best leaders I have been around. They are so effective, and when they talk to people, they are so effective because they point to people, they point people to Jesus, and they can't help but say, "Dude." These guys are untrained, unschooled people, but they, man, they must have been with Jesus. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say after having just filmed James, I would say. And you can tell he has been with Jesus. Amen. So that, that, let that be the validation for all y'all out there. You see, he says that y'all? All All y'all. All y'all out there. That's the plural. 
Right. You. It's the it's the plural of the plural. Yeah. All y'all. All right. No, y'all can actually be single singular. I'm so confused. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. But I want that. I want you guys. Everyone that is hearing this to 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 hear this. <laughs> that you y'all are validated and you are disciple makers and you right are exactly right placed where God wants you to be you are equipped in the way that you need to be equipped in order to make disciples right there and the fact that you have encountered Jesus and you have walked with Jesus provides that validation not any specific training or schooling so so yeah, go do so it. So be know? empowered. So yeah, yeah, that whatever result of that, go do that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's really anticlimactic. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.